much love. I think of all the education that I've missed, but then my homework was never quite like this. Got it bad, got it bad. Got it bad, I'm hot for teacher. It's episode 33, Ravage Love, season three. Hi, Julie. Hello, Renee. How are you? You know, you know, it's a week. It's a week. The world's on fire. The other part is flooding. People are being bombed. We're all going to die. So why not just listen to two gal pals talk shit about smut? Why not, Mm -hmm. Renee? Alternatively, come to Edmonton and and train for the uh, climate wars with myself and my children. Oh, my goodness. Do you know that we have competitive... True story. Competitive Quidditch here. Whoo! Yes, you do, Edmonton. Yes, we do, and you can go as somebody who's never even tried and just do it. Um, now I've seen it in action, and uh, the you know it it could it has the basic principles of Quidditch. I think without the flying, it's lost on most people. But mm-hmm. what's important is that you have fun. Absolutely. That's yeah. what's so important. Um, Ottawa doesn't have that. So I did at Carleton. So I'm Carleton alumni twice over. I did both my degrees there. And there absolutely was a Quidditch team at Carleton. I don't know if they competed, but I definitely saw them running around on brooms in the quad. And I was like, you know what? Really? Respect it. Respect it. Yeah. Well, you know where they famously play Quidditch is at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wiz- Wizardry. And, you know, Minerva McGonagall is a bit of a <laughs> bit of a sexy teacher wouldn't you say oh i mean Dumbledore. Mm. Mm -hmm. tasty tasty some fucking emma thompson's in her thick oh glasses glasses. oh also the only time i've ever thought i can't even remember his real name pattison robert robert pattison yes the only time I've ever found him attractive was in the Harry Potter movies. Mm, my boy, Ed, Eddie Cullen. Yeah, you know, was- I find him attractive when he is shitting on being Eddie Cullen. Oh, yeah. I mean, his interviews, delicious. Top but in, notch. But yeah. in terms of like in movies, yeah, I don't like I've never found him attractive in a movie uh, except for those Harry Potter movies. And that's before he oh. was really anyone. Well, you know, he's in that movie with Willem Dafoe. Yes. Like, the I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it because I'm I'm scared of Willem Dafoe. But I like I like Robert Pattinson's mustache in it a lot. Uh, I have not seen it. I've heard very, very different opinions. Either it's one of the most brilliant mm-hmm. movies you've ever seen or it's an hour and a half of your life you're never going to get back. So you have to be in a mood because it's very dark. Um, yeah. But he definitely looks, he just, Robert Pattinson as a person looks like he has an odor. Yes! 100%. I, yes. And you know what? I've read that he does. Oh, see that, there you go. That tracks. I don't know why, but there's just certain people who sometimes I see them and I'm like, you look like you don't smell nice. You know what, though? Um, he's it's one because, of them. <laughs> yeah, it's because he's beautiful like Marilyn Monroe and she also had an odor. <gasps> what? Marilyn Monroe, yeah, she had a she had a bit of a of a of a stank about her. Um, is this a true would, story or is this an internet story? Because she, no, no, she would eat in bed. She would eat in bed, and so her bed would be full of food, and she, yeah, wouldn't bathe as much. And so, like, 
I don't think it matters because you know what? She's brilliant. She was a brilliant human being. And um, if you want to reek, you do you because she was still banging a Kennedy. Like he oh, didn't yeah, give yeah. a shit how she smelled. But yeah, yeah she, she was, was doing stinky. fine. Oh, that is fascinating. Yeah. Um, I love those kinds of stories, but I just imagine anybody pre like lady speed stick smells bad. I mean, that's why I can't get into a lot of um, like Regency Victorian type, even like Outlander stuff, like back in the day, sexy smut type shit. Because all I keep thinking is y'all didn't brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. Y'all definitely didn't have canestins. There's a lot of burning crotches that were not being dealt with. Um, A lot of UTIs, body odor. It was hot. People shitting in the streets. Like I just, I can't. I have to really force myself to suspend disbelief because it's yeah. like, oh, this is, you know, Saoirse Rowan sitting on Kate Winslet's face. That sounds delightful. <laughs> I will watch this. But then I have to like my the back of my mind is like, yes, but she's been wearing 17 petticoats all day. And I'm like, no, no, no. Don't think about it. <laughs> so that's a fun fact about Marilyn Monroe. Thank you for that. Um, well, did not know that. Know, I think about... Um... I think about people smelling a lot um, and I can't help it. And I remember, okay, so I have this book, it's called the indifferent stars above and it's about the Donner party. Cause I like fucking love, I love the story of the Donner party. Cause I'm a, I'm a bleak, dark person. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just who I am. But in that book, the journals that they get information from state that these poor women who are fucking walking and walking and walking have yeast infections so badly you can smell it Mm-mm. through their fucking skirts. And that's all I can think about. And I watch Outlander too. And I'm just, you know, I'm just like, Claire has a UTI. She has a perpetual UTI. Why is she like, when, when are they washing their Highlander genitals? We don't know. Exactly. Nobody bathes. Yeah. Nobody bathes and they wear the same dress forever exactly and i am deeply obsessed with scents it's probably like my sense of smell is probably my strongest of the senses Mm -hmm. honestly like i have terrible Mm -hmm. eyesight whatever so i like i've always been into perfumes and i always have like candles in my house and if i cook food and it smells really strong i like have to open all the windows like i just i'm very conscientious of smell so i know that's like my own thing but also if you listener are a marilyn monroe type who likes to have a snack in the bed don't do that in your own bed first of all that's gross or just lay a sheet over top and then get rid of it but if you're in a hotel here's my hot tip for you if you're in a hotel Mm. with two beds other bed eat in one bed sleep in the other i'm telling you it's a game changer i started doing this years ago on the road we'll never go back it's the best so that's my hot tip for you if you enjoy eating in bed which generally it's not something i would want to do in my own home but like sitting up in bed in a hotel Mm. room watching random shit on tv because i don't have cable Mm. watching some cable eating some um room service and then you can roll over to your other bed and not be stinky don't be gross don't be gross that's my hot tip the more you know Sometimes the girls will come downstairs and they're like, oh, I can't sleep. And I'm like, take a Valium. They're like, no, I don't know what that is. So I'll give them like a little 
like uh, like a little cookie yeah. or a little a little cracker or something. And I'm like, eat this before you get to your room. And one time my youngest came down and she's like, Mama, I just need like a bowl of crackers. And so she wanted those Swiss cheese crackers. And I, at this point I was like over it. I was like, you need to get the fuck to sleep. So I was like, all right. I was like, but don't eat it in your bed. And she's like, well, that's where I'm going to eat it so I can fall asleep. And I was like, you know what? Try it. Just try it. See what happens. And you know what? Princess and the pea. Worst night's sleep ever. So there you go. It's gross. It's gross. Yeah. It's gross, people. Don't do it unless you're in a hotel room. Um, also, remember to change your sheets and wash your bra regularly, listeners. It's good for you. Yeah. Good for the soul. It's good for the soul. Wash your bra. But also clean your pillowcase, like change your pillowcases like once a week because your oh face oils. Oh, no, seriously. It, it will change the composition of your complexion if you change your pillowcases like once a week. Okay. Because there's so much face oil that gets in your pillowcase. Yeah. So if you keep your pillowcases fresh to death, your face will be, your face will thank you. I assure you. You know what? And I wish I had that kind of time. <laughs> that I mean, that's fair. I also sleep. Just wash them with my masks. Like, I gotta wash, I gotta wash COVID masks or pillowcases, but I can't do both. That's fair. You know what? Can't Prioritize not dying of yeah. the cocoa. That's fair. Yeah, you know, Alberta was the first place in the world to end the mask ban, but don't worry, it's back because our numbers were skyrocketing. Oh, absolutely. It's an mm. awful, awful situation. And honestly, one of the few things that's giving me any iota of hope for this fall winter is this podcast and knowing Yay. that I'll be able to do something fun once a week because it is incredibly demoralizing to see kids starting their third academic year without a vaccination for those under 12 and yeah. skyrocketing levels of it's just awful and i'm just anticipating another lockdown so yeah you know what i will say though is that at least here and i think i could probably say this of many um you know school districts is that they're saying like fuck the government we're going to do more um and you know they've at least here in edmonton the edmonton public school board they've replaced a lot of their um air filtration systems they still have their whole system from last year that worked very well they really limited the spread and everything and um you know masks and they have they put all their school supplies in a little in a bucket you bring like a box and then they stick it under their chair that's they don't have cubbies or lockers or anything anymore their coats go on their chairs and so oh, it's wow. hard for like you know my youngest she started kindergarten last year so that was her school experience and now she's going into it again um, which makes me really sad because I'm like, she should have been able to play with community Play-Doh, but, um, <laughs> yeah. And like, oh yeah, it, it, I have to, like, as someone who doesn't have children, I like am constantly reminded of how grateful I am in the sense that, you know, this is like two, three, let's say last four years, four years in my mid thirties, mm -hmm. you know, four years mm -hmm. in your mid thirties, it's nothing. Right. Yeah. Four years in your 80s. That's a lot. Four years when you're a kid is a lot. Um, yeah. So like, you know, when you're just like starting off life or on the end of life and four years, like that's a huge chunk of time. And I just think about, yeah, all these like memories I have as a kid of things that we did at school that are like incomprehensible to these kids now. And you're just yeah, like, it's just it. such a bummer. I remember going to school um, in kindergarten and we would put our food down on newspaper 
And for some reason, I don't know if it's because we were just poor, but I would get a like a craft single in my lunch. Mm-hmm. And so I would put it on my newspaper unwrapped and then I'd get the print on the cheese. Oh. And it was like extra fancy <laughs> to get that print from like the Morewood Times <laughs> on my cheese. So <laughs> my kid will never experience that. No, she will never get newspaper cheese. And that is truly, truly devastating. Uh, Well, do you want to talk about some teachers, bud? Sorry, I was putting a blanket over my dog's crate. Um, I do, but I want to tell you something really quick before we hop into it. Okay, tell me. So, you know, anytime I have a chance to look at romance books in a thrift capacity, I'll do it. Um, and I had to kind of stop myself from going too hard into it today, but I went to my favorite thrift store here in Edmonton called Find. All the money that they raise goes to the Bissell Center and they provide furniture and things um, to people who are um, coming off the street for the first time into housing or, you know, are getting an apartment after having lived in a shelter, things like that. Lovely agency. I go there all the time. Um, so I was just walking past the books. I didn't get into it, but I saw a book with Fabio on the cover and I was like, okay, how can I say no to this? Julie, Fabio wasn't just on the cover. The book was written by Fabio. What? No. Fabio writes romance novels. How did we not know this? Yeah. I don't know. And I, I did look it up and he, he writes with, with another author, but it, it's just signed Fabio. There's no last name on it, but it's a picture of him on the cover written by Fabio. Holy and shit. And there's more than one. And we're going to have to do another Fabio on the cover episode. Oh my God. Of course we are. Yeah. But it'll also be. And he wrote it. <laughs> wowzers and what's mm-hmm. the year like was this like the 90s mm, i don't have it in front of me i don't think it's that old let me just google it real real quick here yeah because i'm like i'm wondering if this was like when he was at his like height of the modeling or is this when the modeling didn't work anymore like Oof. this one's called rogue and it <laughs> says it's by eugenia riley but his name is on it as the author um 1994 Okay. Well, considering mm. I read a book last week called Rogue by Danielle Steele, <laughs> um, I support it. It looks like there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, potentially eleven books with Fabio's name as an Holy author. Holy moly! Yes, but the the series that I have is is from I don't know what the series is called, but there's one called Champion. One called Pirate and one called Rogue, and Rogue is the one that I have. But the one that says Champion has a killer cover, so I hope I find it. Anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> let's fuck around and find out what happened this week. Hot for teachers. Mm-hmm. We're hot for Fabio. We're hot for teachers as well. Fabio so, could teach us a thing or two. So first of all, we want to say... How difficult it was to find one that was not disturbingly age play, uh, you know, preying on a student type shit, which like I was just not comfortable reading. Um, And you had the same issue, right? 
Yeah. Oh, I, I was really, really struggling because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't do it, you know, and I'll read, I'll read mostly anything, but I just couldn't accept a story where it was like a blackmail situation mm. or, you know, an abuse of power situation. Um, I was like, you know what? I don't need to give Louis CK any more press like this. <laughs> I can't do it. So it was very, very difficult. I almost had to settle on an Amish story. Oh, damn. I didn't, but I had one lined up. Okay. So I, yeah, it was really, usually I just take our theme. I pop it into either the Kobo or I'll either have a look on my bookshelf. And if I don't have anything, um, I'll pop into a bookstore anyways, or I'll just look in Kobo and I'll just kind of in the context of, you know, the lockdowns, I've definitely just been looking on Kobo. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. A lot of barely legal stuff, which I was like, nope, nope, nope. So I ended up doing a search and I'm so glad I did because I found a Goodreads list. And I say that because this book that I chose, the fact that he's a teacher doesn't come up in the description. It doesn't come up anywhere. So if this lovely person on Goodreads had not added it to this list, I would not have found it. And Renee, I am so glad I found this book. I picked it because the title was Halar. Turns out (laughs) it is incredible. So it's called Gaze of Our Lives, which like... (laughs) Yay! I love it. Fucking good. It's called "Gaze of Our Lives: Queers of La Vista" by Chris Ripper. So Chris lives in California, uses Zer pronouns, and identifies as a proud hashtag grumpy fuck, which like I love. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Um and. Um, shares a converted garage. So this is part of the like description. Shares a converted garage with a kid, can do pull-ups, and can write backwards. Oh my god, those are all really hard things to do. I, I very impressed. Extremely impressed. Um, has written close to a hundred books. Uh, wow. Yeah, very prolific. And so again, Need a dick Daniel. <laughs> exactly. Um, and this particular book, so Gaze of Our Lives, was written in 2016. So, um, unsurprisingly, uh, the protagonist in this book is also a grumpy fucker (laughs) (laughs) named Emerson, which I love because my friend Jen, shout out to Jen, she had a son in the context of COVID uh, in the last year. And named him Emerson. And it was the first time I'd ever even heard that name. And I thought, what a beautiful name. So then to pick up this oh. book and it was Emerson. I'm like, I love that name. So Emerson is a bored, grumpy, gay teacher with multiple sclerosis. Oh, I'm And M was diagnosed nine months prior to the, st- the beginning of the story and is really struggling. So in his early 30s, really uh, dealing with some symptoms um still has some mobility but just really dealing with the grief really of just mourning uh, who they thought they would be and who how they would get to live their life but in particular emerson is a dom emerson has top-ish tendencies that he's never shared with anyone in part because he's scrawny and is now disabled and so in his mind Doms and tops are big, burly, muscle-bound, bear-type people. 
And so part of why he's never disclosed is because he's afraid the person will laugh at him and be like, you, you. Now, you and I know, Renee, Adam mm-hmm. is a state of mind. Like, daddy is a state of mind. So 100%. Like, it's not related to gender or body or anything, but I also totally understand why Emerson feels that way. So it creates mm-hmm. this like vicious circle where he's like, I'm already kind of introverted. I don't really like like getting out in the scene and doing stuff, but also like, I'm not going to meet someone if I don't do it. But then if I meet someone, I can't really be myself. And it just ends up being this like self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. Um, so commutes every day, taking the bus, going to work. He teaches uh, ESL, so English second language to adults and oh. likes his job. Um, but you know, his life is pretty stale and boring. Takes the same bus every day, same commute and sees this guy there that he's never seen before and he's real cute uh wearing a motorcycle jacket carrying a motorcycle helmet motorcycle boots um but looks like he might be a hipster and emerson's like that's not my fucking vibe i i can't deal but like oof you're cute um but something something kind of they lock eyes they kind of give each other that glance and then all of a sudden um dude in the motorcycle jacket comes and sits beside him and his name is Tommy. Obadiah. <laughs> <gasps> oh, give me an Obadiah any day of the week. Uh, so also known as Obi. So they oh. end up exchanging numbers. And because he's sitting down, he's like, okay, yeah, I look like an able-bodied person. We're just hanging out. We're just talking on the bus. Then he goes to get off at his stop. Um, and then uh, Obi sees his cane and sees, like, he looks back and he's like, oh, fuck, I took my cane out just in time for Obi to see me through the window and kind of gasp. So he's like, well, I guess I'm never going to hear from this fucking guy. He's never going to call me. But he does. He calls and calls. And Emerson doesn't pick up because he's embarrassed. And then finally, Obi... uh, No, he texts and texts and texts. And then finally, Obi just calls. And he's like, well, I can't ignore a phone call. So he's like, like, fuck it. Like, let's just hang out. Let's do something. And he comes over. They hook up. It's really hot. Um, And then Emerson gets really, uh, like aloof afterwards and is kind of like pretending like oh this is really casual for me but actually it's not mm-hmm. um classic classic and that's kind of the dynamic of the book is that like he's emerson's clearly into ob ob is like this artistic free-spirited person who um does like a lot of diy crafting and he lives in this farmhouse with his kind of sister basically they were all like in the fostered together so like they're basically family and they live together in this farmhouse and he has this job and um and like he's lovely and emerson is in denial about how lovely he is because he is just constantly waiting for rejection um and meanwhile his doctor is telling him you gotta take better care of yourself like you gotta exercise you gotta eat better you gotta do all this stuff but as you know when you're not feeling well when you're depressed when you don't love yourself you're not taking good care of yourself so it ends up being this real like battle between emerson just fighting the fact that this person cares about me this person's great they have community which makes community for me i should just take care of myself and live my life um so there's one little fun scene for example where they um Emerson has this shitty doctor's appointment where the doctor's like, dude, you got to take better care of yourself. And he's like, fuck you. And comes home and he's like, on principle, I'm going to order pizza and watch some porn. (laughs) (laughs) And then Obi just shows up and he's like, oh, hey, well, I have pizza coming, completely forgetting that porn is paused on the TV. So Mm -hmm. Obi like comes in and is like, oh, shit. And it's like a hardcore like dungeon scene. And then Emerson's (laughs) like, I'm 
uh, 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 like really embarrassed. And then Obi's like, I've never really done any of that stuff before, but like I'm open to it. So they end up having this like slow build kink relationship, which is like really quite beautiful, frankly, because Emerson's like exploring his dom side and Obi's exploring like, oh, maybe I'm a masochist. Like, oh, maybe I do like these things. Oh, maybe, maybe. And they're just like feeling each other out being really conscientious like Emerson gets really embarrassed about things and then Obi's just like no it's fine like I don't care that you're disabled you just need to tell me like what that entails and so there's like a whole there's all of these times where it's like it means I literally can't get an erection because like I'm numb my lower body is numb I can't get hard so like I feel really stupid and like not like a man and like how can I top someone if I can't even get hard and then like Obi helps him work through it like it's just so fucking beautiful Renee and like most people wouldn't find it beautiful because it's just like very blatantly kinky but like it's so so beautiful so basically like a bunch of stuff happens like the stepsister or like the his sister is pregnant and then she goes into labor and obi's at work so he doesn't pick up his phone so she ends up calling emerson um and things are really awkward between him and obi because he kind of lashed out at obi basically being like you're being too nice to me and it makes me embarrassed like i don't want you to have pity on me um and obi's like don't push me away and he's like fuck you and so they're kind of in this like are we together are we not together and then all of a sudden he gets a phone call from mildred being like i'm in labor you gotta fucking show up like i i'm by myself and then you know in doing so realizes hey this could be my family like these people could be my family and then just like leans into that and decides i don't have to be a curmudgeon anymore because i am loved uh oh my god So. over like writing very strong very strong like very funny dialogue at certain points felt really realistic like there's a part right at the beginning where he's at a bar and he it's a gay bar that's known for being a cruising spot and side note like i grew up with a disabled grandmother um the program that i studied at carlton was adjacent to the disability studies program so like i'm really you know i've studied ASL for years so like really interested in deaf and disability culture yeah so what I appreciated was um and I mean as someone who's technically disabled but also um yeah so there's this part where he goes to like this this bar that's like a cruising spot and he like picks up this guy and they you know give each other the look go into the bathroom the plan is to like just bang each other out and while the dude's about to blow him Emerson's leg just like gives out on him which is a common thing to happen you just like lose sensation and he kind of like collapses and the guy can't figure out like I, I don't know if he assumes that like oh he's passing out because he's drunk or like oh my god this who's this old cripple basically and the guy gets really freaked out and leaves and then Emerson's just like mortified oh yeah so like things like that that I, I don't know if Chris who wrote this story is disabled but you know from my perspective like very very great disability aware like analysis throughout which i really appreciated super consensual super consensual um and spicy oh shit i'm gonna read you a scene that's kind of spicy but it's proof of like even when they're not full-on fucking like it's still super spicy so in terms of spice factor i'm giving it five out of five spicy avocado toast because obadiah is a hipster mm. throughout um and the reason why he was on the bus that day is because his motorcycle broke down so um oh. he that person 
and I am into it. So I absolutely recommend Gaze of Our Lives. I recommend <laughs> anything else by Chris Ripper. Also, Chris Ripper has a series of books with like amazing spins on soap opera titles <laughs> so there's oh, like I gaze of our it. lives and other ones too so anyways i recommend it so that was my hot for teacher book which i only found because of a nice goodreads person who put it on a list so thank you to that person what can i like? ask yeah. i want to yeah. ask because yeah. i i'm wondering if our listeners are wondering yeah as in in the story you know mm-hmm. your main character is not able to have an erection because mm-hmm. of his disability mm-hmm. so how does he get off well, he's able to, so it's only when he's having a bad episode that he can't get hard. So he I does, see. so there are moments in the book where they absolutely get down. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll read you one of the passages from that particular Ooh. part where he basically, Obi makes him realize what queer women have known all along, which is mm-hmm. if you're only fucking with the end goal of an orgasm, that's pretty narrow minded, you know? Um, you could still have a really good time and not come. And so Obi kind of shows him that of like, we can do other things basically. And at one point even is like, I'll blow you. And he's like, I literally can't get hard. And he's like, can you feel it? And he's like, yeah, I just like can't get hard. And he's like, does it feel good? He's like, well, yeah, but you're not going to put a limp dick in my mouth, in your mouth. And he's like, why not? And then does. And then he's like, woo. So like shit like that, where he's like, why can't we just feel good for the sake of feeling good? And you're like, yes, oh, let's do that. that right. Yeah, but definitely, um, yeah, there, in his particular case, um, his MS allows him to, like, he can. It's just when he's having, like, a bad flare-up, basically, that he can't. And then he, you know, feels emasculated, which is sad, but also understandable. And, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that that's the book that you found. I love that that's what you're recommending to our listeners. And I wish that I had read something along those lines. <laughs> Not that my book was bad. It wasn't at all. But I think we need more of that. I think we need more of those perspectives and those experiences on the show because it's really, really easy to talk about cis hetero couples getting busy and dirty. Yeah. Um, and but- this is written by someone with like Zezer pronouns featuring yeah. dis- like an authentic representation of people with disabilities. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. This is what, and it was hot. Like, that's the thing that pisses me off. I remember when I was a TA for Intro to Women's Studies, like way back in the day, and we were talking about pornography and like feminist pornography. And I vividly remember this guy putting his hand up, bless his little heart, saying, so feminist porn, is that like making love? And I was like, oh, you peanut. I was like, no, it's like full on choking people out. Like it can be as filthy as you want it to be. But I I think there's just that like assumption that if it's like, progressive or it's you know consensual or any of that stuff that it must be like blah blah but it's like one have you read chuck tingle (laughs) but two like (laughs) even this like sincere authentic like this is a you know not trying to just make people laugh was still super fucking hot like super hot so if that's what you wanted you could still get that without having like these yeah outdated stereotypes of what dating is like for example you know or that like only hot like you said, hot hetero cis people mm-hmm. can have romance or, you know, sexy times. Sexy times yeah, are for everyone, Renee. They're for everybody. I know. And, you know, I will let the listeners know that before I met Julie Lalonde, I was not an ally. I probably would not have identified as a feminist. I was an angry, angry person. 
Um, and I was very quick to place blame on women because I was surrounded by a lot of men who just made that easy for me. And I remember going to events with you, Julie, and it was the first time I ever saw something that said consent is sexy. And that blew my fucking mind. And not only that, it was the first time I met people with physical disabilities who were sex positive and were like talking about their sexuality and wearing their sexuality on the outside and just be really open and amazing about it. And it changed my fucking life. So if y'all don't know Julie Lalonde, <laughs> you are very lucky to be here listening to her on the air because she'll change your life. That's very, very sweet of you. And I'm glad that we have taken this journey together, Renee. I really no, I love you so much. I love you too. <laughs> Can you not tell okay. me about your horny teacher book? <laughs> I <laughs> will. wasn't horny. Was it? Mine was very horny. So okay, good. I, okay. I actually, um, because I, I'm committed to reading actual books. Um, and I went through my entire catalog. I must have 50 or more romance books in my house right now. Didn't have a single teacher book. Not a single. Oh, wow. One. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so even my like compendiums that I have, nothing. So I went to Value Village and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to find one. And I found a few. One of them was actually um, with a teacher who had a disability as well. She was deaf. Hmm. Um, But because it was a thriller um, and you know, I get like really distracted by books that are like mysteries and thrillers. I found this other book that I decided to go with called Getting Schooled. (laughs) Yeah, love is a hard lesson to learn. And on the cover is just like this beefcake just like leaning over in a chair in front of a chalkboard. And he's like, give it to me. Um, (laughs) So it was written by New York Times bestselling author Emma Chase. And um, she's New York Times and USA Today bestselling author Emma Chase. So she writes contemporary romance filled with humor, heat and heart. Her stories are known for their clever banter, hilarious, authentic male point of views, and sexy, swoon-worthy moments. And I would agree with all of that. 100%. Um, And her books have been translated into over 20 languages around the world. Yeah, she's doing doing large... She has over 50 books. Um, And this book was neat because it was like point of view from the male character and point of view of the female character. Um, And it it was it felt like each character was talking it didn't feel like it was just the same person so i thought that was great um my book was very spicy i'm just <laughs> gonna say that right now a little woo, uh, i turned the air conditioning on um but like i told you before the show i tried to annotate this book and <laughs> i've also had a little bit of a cardi tonight so i didn't write out what this book is about And um, I've never annotated before, so I'm going to do my best with what I've got. (laughs) And here it goes. So my book is about um, Callie and Garrett. Now, Garrett lives in a small town in New Jersey, not unlike our author, Emma Chase. And he is a history teacher at at the same high school that he attended, but he's also the football coach. And he was a football star in his day. He really peaked in high school um but he loves his job he loves his life he loves everything that he's that's going on he's very connected to his family he's very connected to his students he just wants to see his students thrive he's a great guy the only issue that we have with garrett in this story is that garrett doesn't like change and garrett 
does not want to settle down and have a family. He just wants to live his life. And, but he's honest. He is honest about it. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't leave people on. He is honest to a fault. So he's just kind of living his life, getting ready for the new school year. He's been training his, his football teenagers. Um, and he is banging a, a single mom in the town and she wants more. And he's like, you know what? I can't give you that, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that that's what you want, but there's somebody out there for you. We're cool. Let's be friends. And she's like, cool. No problem. Then there's Callie. Callie is in San Diego, which if you've ever seen Anchorman means it translates to a whale's vagina. Um, so she's in San Diego and she is a manager of a theater there, but she is gunning for a promotion. She wants to be the executive director of the theater. And one day she's like hyping herself up with her best friends. She goes into that interview and she gets the job and she's excited. Her goal is to get this really nice condo on like the shore in San Diego where she has a nice view of the water and there's seals and she can see the seals. And you know, there's that, that walrus in the news right now who needs its own couch. And I love it. It just was very timely. Um, and that's, that's her goal. She just, that's what she really wants. These are two unattached people living their lives. Now, the connection is that Callie and Garrett dated in high school and their relationship didn't survive because Callie went um, abroad for school. She went to, to California instead of staying in New Jersey with Garrett, but it was an amicable split. So Callie gets this promotion. She's very excited and she gets a phone call and it's from her sister, Colleen, and she can barely understand Colleen, but all she hears is that her, her parents have been in a car accident and she is freaking out. So she gets on a plane. She heads out to New Jersey. She's in the hospital. She sees her sister, Colleen and Colleen wasn't crying on the phone. She was laughing because the parents got into a car accident. And each broke one leg. Now her parents are in their seventies, but they're like super hippies, like disco doing drugs, like hippy dippy, probably love the grateful dead kind of folks. So, you know, their children rebelled against that and become like stay at home moms, basically. Um, the reason they got into this car accident, we find out is because, um, they won a little bit of money at the slots. And so, uh, Kelly's mom was giving her dad a celebratory blowjob and he crashed the car. And I thought that was just adorable. Also proves your point. You should never put a dick in your mouth. Don't put a fucking dick in your mouth. There's no good time. There's no good time. There's never a good but time. I want to believe that these two people who have been together for many, many years uh, love each other very much, and obviously. And uh, you know, this is what makes them happy. And if, if sucking your man's dick is what makes you happy, then you do it. But don't feel like you have to, is what I'm saying. That, that's all I'm saying. Putting that out there. You don't have to put no penises in your mouth. Thank you very much. Anyway, I digress. So she, <laughs> she's gone to see her parents. Her parents are each have a broken leg, but because they're in their seventies, it's going to take a little bit longer for them to recuperate, which means that her sister Colleen is able to take care of them during the day, but she has her own family. So she can't take care of them 24 seven. So 
Callie is going to have to stay in town. She's going to have to stay in this little New Jersey town that she grew up in to take care of her parents overnight. And she's really worried that this is going to affect her promotion. And she's worried that, you know, she's not going to be able to pay her rent um, and all of these things. And so her, her sister says, okay, well, I can't do this on my own. You have to stay and help because I have a family. I'm trying to like take care of that. Um, you got to make it work. And she says, okay, I will. Um, but I don't have money for my rent. I'm really worried about that. And she says, well, actually the theater teacher at the uh, high school here is on bed rest because she's pregnant. She needs to go on bed rest. They need a theater teacher. So why don't you go down there, ask for the job. You can work there while we help our parents recuperate. And she says, that's a great idea. So we know that Garrett is a teacher at the school and he dated Callie in high school and Callie um, is going to apply for a position at the school. Now, Garrett and Callie were the real deal. They were in love. They, you know, if, if she hadn't moved away, they'd still be together today. Um, so he sees her in the parking lot after her interview and finds out she's going to be working at the school. And he's just like, oh my God, this is so great. I missed you. Like, this is great. So the story, they start to rekindle their romance and it turns out like they really never fell out of love. Um, so on her first day of class with her theater class, she gets eaten alive because she's just so nice and kind and gentle. The students eat her alive because of social media or whatever. And they like go into her Facebook and they find all these pictures and they're like, we fucking got you bitch. And then all the teachers like don't have social media, which I think is a great idea if you're a teacher. Um, but she's really upset. So Garrett's like, how about you come over and I will, um, I'll, I'll kind of give you some pointers on how to get these kids to like respond to you and respect you. She's like, cool. So she goes over to his house and his little dog Snoopy is there. And Snoopy is a dog that like he found in a dumpster when they were teenagers. I know. And she like named him Snoopy. And I wrote in my book, I was like, this dog better not fucking die. Um, spoiler. The dog dies. Um, <laughs> does it? The dog fucking died. Oh, um, shit. Fucking yeah. old yeller turn up in this bitch. Oh, I can't fucking. I cried so much reading this book. I cried and cried and cried because I will never have love like they had in this book. And that's just the <laughs> truth. Um, so he gives her some pointers. She goes in, um, you know, the, the next day and she's got this like Michelle Pfeiffer. What is it? Dangerous Minds vibe going on turns the chair and backwards and <laughs> yeah she's like let's rap and meanwhile like gangster's paradise is playing in the background um and she reaches her students <laughs> she reaches her like bad students and she starts to get really into it and she um they they decide they're gonna put on a play they're gonna do a little shop of horrors and the kids get really into it um Meanwhile, we see, you know, Garrett's story where he's connecting with his with his students. And you think from the story that like Garrett really just can't let go of his of his teenage years. It's like an Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite situation where like he threw the you know, he threw the winning touchdown or whatever. But it's not that at all. He's just really passionate about, you know, inspiring children to be their best because he believes that um, by the end of high school, that's when your soul has fully matured 
And he's like, if we don't shape these children to feel like they're loved and supported and that they can reach their goals, then they're going to go on to just be the person they are in high school. So he and Callie just like can't fucking resist each other because they, they love each other and they're so horny for each other, but they can't really spend a lot of time together because Callie is spending all this time taking care of her parents who are doing physio and all these things to kind of learn how to walk again. They're sleeping in a single bed, like the grandparents in Willy Wonka. (laughs) And you know, it's, it's taking time. So she's going to be there for the year. Um, and they start spending time together and, you know, they just kind of hit it off. They kind of reboot their relationship from high school. And when they finally bang, Juliana, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. fucking spicy. Like yes! Yes! this book was so spicy. I was flush. I was flush. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, it was great. And so they, they're, they're honest throughout the book. Like they're constantly honest with each other, which I love, which, which shows kind of the difference between them as teenagers and them as adults, which they talk about a lot in the book about how, um, you know, they've grown up and like, of course they love each other as much as they did as, as young adults, but they've matured and they have different things. So they're always honest with each other. Um, and she's, you know, Callie's sort of like, what is this? Like, what are we like, you know, I'm going back to California. And he says, you know, I, yeah, I do. He's like, I know you're going back to California. He's like, but I'm committed to making this work with you. However that looks. And I love you and I'm really happy. So like, let's just enjoy our time now and we'll figure it out when we cross that bridge. And she's like, okay. So meanwhile, you know, she's connecting with her students. She's really proud of them and they're fucking all the time and it's awesome. And she's hanging out with him and his little dog and it's great. And then she's a student that like lights a fire in a park and he doesn't mean to, but he's a, he's a teenager and he doesn't really think straight. It's a whole thing. Um, but there is a lie, Julie, there is one lie. Yeah. So they run into the lady. Her name is Tara, who who Garrett was fucking at the beginning of the story. And she's pretty cool. And, you know, she um, Callie's sort of like, you know, oh, you know, it's really obvious you guys had sex. And he's like, yeah, we did. And she's cool with it. She's like, well, as long as you never fucked Becca so and so. And it turns out Becca so and so was like the daughter of the football coach who just like really wanted to get under Callie's skin the whole time. And it turns out after their breakup, they actually did. He did fuck her. He fucked Becca. And so that lie comes back to bite them in the ass because he decides he doesn't want to ruin what they've got. He doesn't think it'll ever come up. Of course it comes up. Of course. It I does. know my an- in my annotation, I put <laughs> foreshadowing under that moment and it came back. So they're at a bar and who walks in but Becca and Becca's like, do you remember that time that we were like fucking? And um, Callie's like, okay, well you lied to me. And he says, you know, he just has like this beautiful dialogue where it's, he's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's just, I was really hurting after our breakup. I didn't want you to know. And then we find out that actually like they had gotten pregnant as teenagers. And I was like, oh, did she have an abortion? It's in my notes in this book. If anybody wants to buy it, I will sell it. Um, (laughs) She didn't. She just had a miscarriage and she was really devastated by it. So part of the reason they broke up, it turns out, is because 
she was really, really depressed after she lost her fetus. Um, but when she went to San Diego for college and he went to go visit her, he saw how happy she was and he knew she wasn't going to be happy back home. So he just agreed to this breakup. Um, but it turns out she was actually really sad because she lost this baby she wanted. Um, and so they talk about it and he's like, you know, I really, I did want this baby with you. I actually bought you like a ring and stuff. I wanted to marry you, but it never felt like the right time to give it to you because I didn't want you to think that I was doing it because you lost the baby and then, nah, nah, nah. Um, and so they're just connecting and connecting and like, it's always in the back of their minds that like, yeah, you know, they're going to have to split up, but they're going to figure it out. So she takes him to San Diego for a wedding, um, hoping that like, maybe he'll want to live there. And like, he's taking her around town in New Jersey, hoping that she wants to stay there. And then the dog dies. <laughs> Snoopy fucking dies. And it's awful and horrible. But Callie is there for her, man. She is there for him 110% and she helps him through his grief. And in doing that, she decides, you know what, wherever you are, whatever you need, I'm here with you. I've got your back. And that's how it's always going to be. Um, and then his students go and buy him a new dog. And it's so sweet because it came from his students. And it's like a purebred. So they spent a lot of money. But he's like, I got through to my kids. And they really respect and appreciate me. And I, I did it. Like, I'm supporting them. Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, like, arson kid went to jail. So they're all still supporting him. It's a whole thing. Um, but then, fucking Garrett's like, listen. You know what? I've had my dream job for 13 years and I am so happy, but my life is empty without you in it. And I am prepared to quit my job and sell my house and move to San Diego with you so that you can have a chance to pursue your dream job and live your dreams. He's like, mm -hmm. I'm just happy to be with you. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, I have never been more sure of anything in my life. So they're prepared to do it. And they start packing up his house and she's just like, depressed again she doesn't know why and so she's like walking through the town going to get more boxes and she meets this like this town like simpleton his name's ollie um he just waves at everybody i guess and so she sits down with him and is like looking at like the view from where he sits and she's like oh my god this town is so beautiful it's very hallmarky and she realizes i've this is home this is where i've always wanted to be and this is where I feel great. I want to keep being a teacher. I really feel fulfilled doing that. I want to be here. My, 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 the love of my life has the house with the view that I always wanted with the seals and shit. And so she goes back and she's like, let's stay here. This is where I want to be. I'm happy. I love you. And he's like, are you, are you sure though? She's like, so fucking sure. And so they stay together and she's like, I want to be your wife and I want to be this. And he's like, I want all those things too. And so they get married. There's, a, there's epilogues one, two, and three. Oh, epilogue, Yeah. Epilogue one, they get married. Epilogue two, she real pregnant. Epilogue three, their little boys like on the field yelling orders at the other football players. Um, and that's my Bacardi. Um, <sighs> explanation of the annotation of this book now what i'm going to tell you is that it was so spicy it was so emotional it was extremely well written and to, if this wasn't about teachers i wouldn't have picked it up because of the cover like the cover's just like some real cut dude and for some reason his wife beater top is like 
on but behind his neck i'm like just take it off bro like just take it off um but i'm really glad i read this book it was beautiful um they're in new jersey and uh he has a huge family probably irish catholic i'm gonna say five out of five uh guinnesses uh but like somebody's has like pulled a prank on their <laughs> irish catholic brothers and thrown like some little like ghost peppers in there because it was extremely spicy like i felt it like oh love this i felt it i loved it and every scene was beautiful and like it it she the author did a really good job writing from the point of view of the man because i have my little legend and in my legend i have a, a, a an option for problematic and <laughs> so it, <laughs> I have some underlying problematic things where they're like, don't be a pussy or like, you know, they're, they're implying that male as a gender is better than female, which I think would be typical of a lot of maybe like dudes from New Jersey. <laughs> um, but it was still really good. Like it was written very, very well. And, and I don't, I think it's great that this author is able to, um kind of switch between those two perspectives so well so well and i would definitely recommend it and i would probably recommend anything by emma chase i think she's probably a consistently good writer so you can read getting schooled by emma chase um and just get your panties wet ladies like let's do it or or gentlemen if you wear panties you do you i love this mm -hmm. So here's what I'm going to read for you. Yes. Today. I was like, tell me what, is it spicy? Is it? Um, it, no. So here's, here, she, here's where she's found out that, um, Garrett slept with Becca. Um, and it, I just thought it was funny. So I'm going to read it for you. Okay. Do it. Do it. His hands tightened on the steering wheel. It doesn't matter. It matters to me. And you knew that. And that's why you lied. It was 17 fucking years ago. You're being totally ridiculous right now. Don't do that. Don't you dare minimize my feelings. You knew I'd be upset, so you took the chicken shit way out, of, out and you lied. I'm allowed to be pissed off about that. A minute later, we pulled into Garrett's driveway. You said you'd drive me home, I hiss. Garrett's eyes were two hard black stones and his jaw is granite. We need to talk about this. That's not a conversation I'm going to have with your parents in the next room. Fine. Fine. I feel like yelling anyway. I yank open the car door and stomp up the driveway. Garrett opens the front door and Snoopy's already there to greet us in the foyer. The little dog's presence gives me a moment of calm, of rationality. I pet him under his chin. Hey, Snoopy. It's okay. Garrett walks to the kitchen and Snoopy and I follow. He opens the back sliding door and lets the dog out. Then he turns to me, his eyes are softer, regretful. I'm sorry, Callie, you're right. I should have told you. He shakes his head. It's just, it didn't matter to me. And after all this time, I didn't want it to matter to us. Not when we were happy and rebuilding what we have. I didn't want it to screw things up between us. My 17-year-old self is not impressed. How would you feel if you were me, if I'd screwed Dean? Dean is his best friend, by the way. Okay, okay. That's not even the same thing. Becca wasn't your best friend. That would be uh, that would only be the same thing if I hooked up with Sydney. Something flashes on his face, a memory, guilt. Oh my god, did you screw Sydney too? 
Garrett shakes his head. No, no. Well, there was this one night where we ran into each other at the bar and we talked. Talked about you, actually. And it was late and we were drunk. And there was this one moment when it seemed like, but nothing happened. I tear my hands through my hair and I yell, Jesus Christ, Garrett. Then Garrett is yelling back, nothing happened. Why are you being like this? Because every single time we were together, it was beautiful and it meant something to me. And to know that after I left you, you just uh, spread that around and became this whore that kills me he points his finger at me you don't get to do that you don't get to call me a whore because of what i did to fix what you broke my anger makes me jump up and down that's a line from gray's anatomy (laughs) it's a good show garrett shouts he shakes his head except for how Derek went out that was fucked up it'll never be okay a part of me inside wants to laugh but i can't don't be cute i said uh, I tell I tell him harshly, not now. Garrett's shoulders go loose, slumping. What do you want me to do here, Cal? I can't go back and undo it. How do I fix this? And then they talk about the baby they lost. Um, this book was very funny. <laughs> I fucking love <laughs> that he got busted for quoting Grey's Anatomy. That makes yeah. me extremely happy. <laughs> <laughs> this book was really, really very, very funny. And... Um, yeah, I had I had a thing in my legend for funny, and there's lots of it in there. <laughs> so, yes, ten out of ten for reads, five out of five for spice. Get yourselves some Emma Chase now, Julie. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm okay. So ready. So what I'm going to read you is actually quite sweet. Um, because it's basically a scene where. Emerson and Obi are together. It's clearly if if Emerson didn't have MS and it was they would absolutely be fucking is basically the point. Um, but Emerson had an episode that day and is recovering from having collapsed at work because his legs just like gave out on him. And so um one of his students drove him home and Obi comes over. Um, and one of the students dropped him off. Another student dropped him off some dinner. Like, it's just very sweet. Community care. Community shows up for him. So Obi shows up and is, like, thinking they're just having date night. And then Emerson's like, oh, no, actually, I collapsed at work. I had to be driven home. I'm a hot mess express. So. Will you hand me my food? Sure. He reached out, picked up the plate, put it on my legs. All movements he didn't even have to think about. So what happened? Or do you not want to talk about it? It's still happening. It's hard to explain. Though I tried to explain it to Alma, which was probably why she was benching me for the rest of the week. So his boss tells him to take the rest of the week off. Okay. I picked up my fork. My hand was a little numb, but I definitely had some coordination going for me. It's not like I fell and now I feel better. I fell in the middle of class and now I can feel all these frayed parts of myself. Numb spots and burning and these stabbing needle pains in my left legs that makes me want to cut it off. I mean, not that it's a newsflash, but that sucks. Yeah. I got a bite balanced on the fork. This was the tricky part while my brain was fogged up, bringing the fork to my mouth without dropping my food. Though right now I had enough equilibrium to lean forward, which helped. Um, I guess I should be thankful I'd gotten a few hours rest before the humiliation came flooding in. At least I'd capitalize on feeling reasonably able to think by taking it, by taking a piss. Load off my mind. Sorry, I said when both of us were sitting again. I'm shit company. I forgot you were coming over tonight. 
You're good company, and I'm glad I did. Definitely, if I hadn't, you probably would have lost anything important in your bag with it just sitting there outside your door. Yeah, thanks. I couldn't say I was glad he was there. I had been. Now I was more trepidatious. He was sitting down. What did he want from me? Um, I'm gonna pass out soon. Uh, I came over to blow you. Is that off the table? Or... <laughs> Jesus! I can't... Yeah, fuck. It's off the fucking table. He smiled at me, half-turned, arm across the back of the couch. I wanted to slap the smile off his face or kiss him. Either way. You sure? Nothing. I felt no stirrings of nothing. Damn it. I can't get hard right now, I muttered. It's unusual, but my body's too fucked up to even think about sex. I'm good with that. We'll watch a TV show or something. And for the record, I can blow you without you being hard. And if it would feel good to you, I don't know if you're saying you have no sensation at all, or it's just that you can't get hard, or... Holy shit. I shook my head. No, not tonight. I'm just in too much pain. Got it. Offer stands. He reached for the remote. Got some sing-off to watch or what? A new wave of fatigue was pulling me down fast. I didn't want it to, I didn't want him to go, but I didn't want to watch TV. I need to get to my bed. You can, I mean, if you want. Sweet. Are you going to fall asleep? I was barely keeping my eyes open. Food sometimes crashes me when I'm screwy, almost like my body's so overwhelmed with everything else it just can't handle digesting too. Come on, Emerson. Instead of trying to help or carry me, he just held out my cane. Let's go. Thank you. I might have mouthed the words as I slowly, carefully stood up, keeping myself between my cane and the couch. Got it. Got it. It wasn't the most graceful bed going I'd ever managed, but I didn't tumble until I was there. I'm getting your shoes off. I no longer had the energy to care. My shoes, my pants, the lights, whatever. I wanted to spiral down into the darkness until I couldn't feel pain. The last thing I knew before I passed out was Obi sliding into bed beside me and damned if it didn't feel a little bit good, even through the haze. <sighs> That's so beautiful. Right? I just, and then there's another part where like similar situation where he's like, I can't get hard. And so he just like, they just make out ferociously and almost kind of like dry hump each other. And he makes this comment in his head about how he's like, realizing that when you're young making out is like its own destination so you get really into it and then he's like but then when you have the opportunity to actually sleep with someone oftentimes you just kind of throw makeouts to the wayside which like in my experience is absolutely the case yeah um and so he's that's like, so yeah sorry no just in my say, book yeah my book they talk about the same thing about how like as teenagers they made out a lot and now they're back together and they're making out a lot but in, in the interim, they didn't really make out with people. And I was like, that's lovely. Right? Because it's so true. Like, I absolutely, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely my reality. And so I love that he realized in that moment that he was like, yeah, it's true that I, like, yeah, we can. Why can't we just make out? Like, why can't wow. we just, like, rub up against each other? Why does it have to be? to climax and why yeah so i just thought that was really very sweet and also super consensual men you can handle rejection with grace yes (laughs) like obi wasn't like well fuck this then if i'm not getting late i'm going home like he just was like okay well what else can we do i just love that and i feel like we need more representation of that and yeah i agree 
I don't know if I'm being presumptuous because I do want to be proven wrong, but I have a fear that that is not the kind of sexy times we're going to read in next week's books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, before we get to that, I just want to say that I'm noticing more and more with the books that we read that I probably need a sex therapist. (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean there are people who are intimate without the intention of having an orgasm because if i don't have an orgasm i hate the person i'm with and i will swear vengeance on them or a pox on their home (laughs) and yet here you're saying and these books are saying that it doesn't always have to be that way that love can exist outside (laughs) of that realm so i think it's time if you our listeners know a good sex therapist that works virtually, please just slide into our DMs. But Julie, mm-hmm. what are we reading next week? NASCAR! Yes. Motherfucking this, NASCAR! This is something you've been excited about since before we started. Yes, because I found out by accident that NASCAR was a huge subgenre mm-hmm. of the romance world. And I was like, no. And then sure enough, I fell down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and oh, yeah. <laughs> so I am stoked to read some NASCAR romance next week. so And I can't wait to share some stories about my mother's fourth and final husband who loved NASCAR. Like, oh, took her on a honeymoon to Florida NASCAR. So I cannot wait. Um, I think I'm going to hate everything that I read. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I hope I'm I hope I don't, but I'm sure I will. Um, Oh, I'm fucking so excited now. Oh, gosh. Okay, so where can people find us, Julie? Well, come on over to the old Instagrams and the Twitters where you will see the, I mean, Renee's continuous hilarity, but also the covers of our books every week. So, yeah, follow us, Ravage Love, on Instagram and on Twitter. And come say hello. If you have some ideas or you've read something that you think is great, send it to us. We're very interested. We've had a couple people send us ideas for shows that we are taking seriously. We are going to cover those topics. But all my friends, all they do, my personal close friends, is send me links to books about cryptids. Like, (laughs) I don't know they exist. And I need more than that. I need more variety. So if you've read something that you enjoyed or you want to suggest a theme, tell us. We, we honest to God, will cover it unless it's really problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even if they are problematic, we generally do and then rip them apart. So, yes. yeah, please let us know. I mean, you get the cryptids. I get the Amish ones. People send me yeah. anything related to the Amish, and I was like, I stand. Um, I but, yeah, please that. slide into our DMs if it's a theme, an author, If there's news in the romance world or some interesting angle that you think we should know about, let us know. We want to hear from you. We are very responsive. Or are you an author? Do you write romance? Because we want to hear from you and we will have you on the show. You just need to be prepared that if we think your book is problematic, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. We would still love to have you on the show. Oh my gosh, please, please. Please do so. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for listening to us every week. Make sure that you 
uh, give us a review. Make sure we keep up our stars on uh, the various platforms. Send us a review. Mm-hmm. Send us your mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings. Um, we just have, we do this for funsies. So it's just yeah. nice to know that people are listening. Tell your friends, tell your families. Just don't tell my family. <laughs> and um, we'll see you next week, buds. Hells yeah. Julie, it's yes. that time. You know what to do. <clears throat> Ravage love. Ravage love. Perfect. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you.